Thank you. Well, it's really great to be here. I appreciate it. I've seen the building empty. I've seen it when it's been remodeled, but I've never been here. What a great bunch of people you are. Hallelujah. We're going to have a great time today. And uh, Pastor Brian never told me how long I was allowed to preach for, so, you know, I should have you out by two, just to share a few things. So, where do I start? I don't know if anybody's new in church today. If you are and you think, what is this church like? I would suggest this is what it should be like. And uh, maybe you're at the wrong church. We've had a great time in the presence of God. <laughs> I love to be in God's presence. And uh, my dear wife was hoping to come. She'll be so disappointed when I go home and tell her how wonderful it was. Uh, but she wasn't well today, so she, she couldn't uh, make it. So I have got some slides here. I don't know whether they are available to be put on. If not, don't worry, I can talk without them. Some of you might just like to look at a few things. Uh, one or two people that uh, Brian may not know uh, that also were chaplains when I was uh, uh, a regional manager, and that was uh, Rhonda and Kevin Luttrell. Not here, uh, but they were in Melbourne as well. So, you know, I think Kevin's almost as naughty as, as uh, Corey is, but not quite, you know, but they've also been involved as chaplaincy, uh, in chaplaincy as well. There we go, city builders, stepping out, I've told it, freely you've received, freely give, hallelujah. I have had such a great time uh, the last, well, I've had a great time all my life, actually, really thank the Lord for his goodness uh, and uh, his faithfulness uh, in, my, uh, in my life here. <clears throat> in my day job, I work for Chorus Connect, and uh, my weekends and nights, I'm a support pastor uh, in, uh, we've got a multicultural church that I'm involved with uh, in um, Mulgrave at the moment as well there. But I'm thankful to God. I don't know about you. We all have a testimony. My daughter was born, of course, uh, in a, a Christian family, a church family. She's trying to figure out what is her testimony. But my parents weren't like that. And I remember hearing about Jesus from a very early age. And I thought, didn't know who he was. He was a swear word uh, in our family. Um, but mum and dad had come from a background, a church background. So they decided that I must have been a bit naughty too, because they thought, let's send them to church. That'll teach them how to be good. And uh, so the neighbors used to uh, go every uh, weekend to church. And so they took me as well. I remember when I was seven years old, that's when I accepted the Lord Jesus into my life. And uh, I remember as a child, don't think that children don't know anything. I couldn't sleep at nights. So I was tossing and turning at seven years old. I wanted to know who made God? Where did he come from? You know, those easy questions that kids have. I had a beautiful Sunday school teacher who told me, uh, uh, well, I don't know if she really got the answer to that one, <laughs> but she told me about the Lord and I came to know him and uh, uh, have known him ever since. I'm not as old as Pastor Brian, which is great. You know, I've got a few more years to get there. Not many, but a few. But uh, it's been wonderful to know Jesus all these years. Never, ever thought that I would turn my back on him. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I went to a Christian camp and uh, was just sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as heavenly language. And ever since then, I've really valued the presence of God. So when we come in here, Beck did an amazing job leading the worship. When the presence of God is here, yeah, give her a hand. And the worship 
team, of course. Um, but I tell you, I travel around and uh, it's great when you feel like you're at home and you get a place where God's presence is here, where people are worshipping. So I can uh, encourage you to continue doing that. I remember 40, uh, what is it, 40, 46 years ago now, someone challenged me as a young person. I was 16 years old, and they challenged me as to what did God want to do with my life? And uh, as uh, Pastor Brian said, I believe we all need to know what is his calling, what is his plan that he has for us, and it will be different for everybody. But as I began to seek the Lord then, all those years ago, I was reading in the Gospels, every time I picked up the Word of God to read in my daily devotion, the Word came out, preach and teach, preach and teach preach and teach. So I got the message, and I've been doing that uh, ever since uh, uh, since that time. So it's great to come and be here today. As we said, the plan of God for each of us is different, but the good news is God has a plan, and He's able to tell us, and He wants you to follow the plan that He has. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next slide. Thank you. Today I want to talk uh, uh, and start with this passage from Matthew chapter 10. Uh, if uh, you're looking at your phones, now I know I have a pastor's intuition. Anybody that's looking at Facebook and not reading the Word of, Bible, uh, Word of God on your uh, machine, I know. So, Beck, I'm looking. Yep, there it is. Hallelujah. <coughs> But I believe that God wants us to know what it is to step out into a new way. And that first song about the fact that it is a new season. Do you know, it is true. It is a new season. But my Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning can be a new season. Every morning can be a day where God does something new. And we're learning to move in that. And I believe that God wants to do that. Hallelujah. This church is looking pretty full. You know, but I think it needs to be a bit more. You know, I believe God has got so much more. And I want to honor Pastor Brian. I've known him for 12 years, but I've heard about him and I've been involved in some of his struggles. And also, you, Lynn, is a, behind every good man, there's a good woman. We know that. He wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you. He wouldn't be able to. But he's gone to hell and back because of what God has told him to do. And he's done it with joy. I love his attitude. No matter what Brian goes through, I tell you, he just just does it with a smile, and he's able to trust God in it. And I believe that there's so much more that God has for this church. But Jesus spoke uh, to the apostles in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. He said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Hallelujah. Father, we stand here, Lord, or sit here and knowing your word, we read your word, we thank you for the power of your word. Even as we open your word today, Lord, we pray that your word would change us, Lord, into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and teach us what it means to really step out in a new way, Father, because freely we've received, freely we are to give. And so I pray, anoint me, anoint our ears, Lord, that we might hear, stir us in our spirits, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for the water. I really need it. Someone said to me, someone wrote a letter to me once, and they said, I don't like your preaching. Why do you have to shout? God's not deaf. 
You know, I thought, no, he's not deaf. He's not nervous either. I just get excited. I can't help it. Jesus is wonderful. Being a Christian all those years, hallelujah, over uh, 50 now, it's great to know Jesus. If you don't know him and you're here, you need to know him. He's wonderful. He's wonderful, isn't he, brother? Yeah, good. Whoops, a bit much. Our daughter lives with us, and she's got a, a little granddaughter just turned one, and every Sunday they go off to church, not the church we go to, they go to their own church, and uh, we say goodbye to little Bonnie, and her mother says, we're going to church for Jesus juice. I thought, oh, I like that. I hope you got some Jesus juice today. It's better than water. It's living water. That was great what Pastor Brian shared there. So this, uh, we see Jesus, there was two goes, and he said to the uh, apostles there in Matthew chapter, he said, as you go, preach saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In verse one of this chapter, it said that he gave authority to his disciples. Now you're all here, you've got Pastor Brian and the rest of the crew, you I know will know your Bible, so I'm not going to preach a lot about it, but that word authority is exousia, isn't it? It's authority, it's conferred power, it's delegated empowerment that God gives to us. He gave it here, firstly, to the apostles that is here, and he gave it over unclean spirits to cast them out. He said to go. Hallelujah. And what is it to go? We talk about going to church, even though we know that we are the church. We talk about going to work, going. And there's something about going. There's something that God wants for us. Going was easy for me. And uh, the Lord called me, as Pastor Brian has said, I was 23. Finally, I'd been praying for years God, uh, as to what God wanted to do with me, and he took me to Thailand. And so I went there, and uh, uh, it was easy to go. So I had to speak to my pastor. I was, uh, I'm a New Zealander by birth, living in Christchurch, and both of my pastors were Australians. So I learned the accent, which was really great, you know. And, um, <clears throat> and one of them was a prophet, the other was an administrator. So the prophet said, I said, I'm going to Thailand. God has called me to Thailand. And uh, so Brother Peter Morrow, the pastor, goes, oh, you're sure it's God? You know, you need to make sure it's God. Yes, Peter, I know it is God. And then I went to see Max, who was an ex-accountant. And Max goes, hmm, how are you going to fund yourself? You know, uh, the church isn't going to give you money, you know. And uh, I said, Max, I've got it all sorted. I said, I've got a car. I'm selling my car. I've been saving up, and I'm going to go to serve the Lord. And so I sort of was swent. You know, some people are sent. Some people went. I was swent. Uh, and uh, after a while, the church decided they would support me there. But I went, and uh, I was in Thailand probably about a year, and I said, I've got a return ticket. And so you know, what happens, this will make you feel better, when, if I run out of money, I will just come home. So eventually, I did run out of money. And so, what did I do? Not go home, I cashed in the ticket so I could stay a bit longer. And uh, so that was a bit naughty, not as naughty as Corey, but it was quite naughty uh, there as well. But God is the one that tells us to go. And uh, we need to go, we need to do what God wants us to do. Sometimes he tells us to do something, and we're too scared to do that. Have you ever been like that? Well, or we don't want to do that. 
I don't understand. I don't know if we're reaping what we're sowing, but one of my daughters always argues with God. No matter what he tells her to do, she seems to have excuses. And I said, don't argue. Just do what he says, darling. Don't, you know, but, you know, she thinks it through. But thank God she hears uh, what God is wanting her to do. But the disciples there were called to go, and uh, then Jesus said, go and preach. And that word means to proclaim or to announce, doesn't it? And uh, we sometimes say, well, I couldn't preach. Some people think, oh, that's really scary. And I want to address that today. You know, it's uh, Jesus says to go and preach. I remember when the Lord told me to go to Bible school. They changed it in our church that year, and it suddenly that year I wanted to go was called the School of Evangelism. And I thought, well, I don't want to go. Now, that's probably I was arguing with the Lord. Don't let me go, Lord. I'm not an evangelist. I don't like street witnessing. I don't want to do anything like that at all. That's not really for me. And I believe that that is not what God is wanting when he talks about preaching, when he speaks to us and even to those uh, apostles there. The root of evangelism, I think, we find is in Luke chapter 2. And that was when the shepherds went. There was a proclamation and the shepherds went. They saw Jesus. And then what did they do? They went to their friends, their family. They went to the market. I don't think they were preachers. And they didn't need to be. All they needed to go was go say, you won't believe what I've seen. And they just would tell them about Jesus and people got excited. Friends, if you have got a story, if you've seen God working in your life, people will get excited. You don't need to preach. You don't need to bash them with the Bible. You don't need to do anything. You just tell them, guess what's happened to me? My life has been changed by what God has done. And I believe that's what God calls us to do, and he wants that experience that we have, because he doesn't want us just to be sitting here in church. I love sitting in church. I wish I was sitting. Uh, no, I, I love being in church. I love worshiping the, uh, the Lord. It's wonderful, but friends, it's only when we're here. I was in a church once. There was a big sign on the back door. It said, you are now entering the harvest field or the mission field. We're here to celebrate, to worship. We're here to get excited. We're here to be encouraged, and then we're here to go out and to step out in every place that God has told us to go, not as a preacher necessarily, but as a person that shares what they've experienced. In verse 7, he said, go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can we have the next slide, please? Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're doing that. People give me the clicker clucker, and you know, it goes back, forwards, and, and everybody. It's not part of my spiritual gifts, but anyway, is it there? Yes. Okay. Uh, the next one. Sorry, I've been Yep, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what they asked them to do. Where's, where is the clock, actually, Brian? I better let me know when to stop. The clock's in the storeroom. They knew I was coming. Oh, I turned my clock, I turned my phone off so it wouldn't ring. Okay. 
I'm starting. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is what he wanted the apostles there to go out and to tell people the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know the kingdom of heaven. What is it? It is the rule and reign of God. It starts in our life and then it reaches out. You know, I just saw the Holy Spirit moving through those doors when Pastor Brian was talking about it and going out into the cities there and to be making an impact there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand the rule and reign of God. But we know we need a miracle. We know we need changes. We know we need the rule and reign, the kingdom of God in our midst. Amen? Amen. That's right there. And uh, that word at hand means that the kingdom of God has drawn close or it's come near. You know, the kingdom of God, uh, the Bible says, it is among us. It is here. The kingdom of God is in you, the rule and reign of Christ. It talks about, if you look at that, an extreme closeness or an immediate eminence there. You know, the Celtic tradition, uh, as uh, missionaries went, and they went over into uh, uh, England, Ireland, all those places there, there's a saying, and it says, heaven and earth are only three three feet apart, and in the thin places, they're even closer. Now, what is that saying? Heaven and earth are only three feet apart, and in the thin places, they're closer. I believe that we can touch heaven. I believe that we can bring heaven to this earth. And I believe, and it's got to be, there are thin places. I believe this is a thin place, and I use it in that context, that this is a place where heaven and earth meet. Hallelujah. This is a place where God can do what he wants to do. And we need to stir ourselves up in an even greater, away. Hallelujah. I find as I'm getting older, my strength is not the same, but I want to act like I'm a teenager. I still want to get out there. I want to do what God wants me to do. You know, I'm, uh, our pastor used to say, I'd rather rust out than burn out, you know, and uh, all those counselors here, no, we don't want to burn out. That is not a good thing. Hallelujah. We don't want to rust out. We don't want to sit in church, but we need to be realizing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here, and we need to break out, and we need to see it break out, and we need to see more and more people saved. Uh, in our midst there. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is within us. We bring heaven down in our own lives, in the lives of others as well, by what we do and by what we say, which is why uh, Jesus said at the end of that, freely you have received, freely give. Have you received today? Oh, we have received so much. God does not want us to be like fat cats that are just sitting there and being fed by the pastor, but he wants us to be out there, that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we know, going out and telling people about the Lord. Freely you've received, freely give. And you know, we need to have received it first before we can give it. We did that today, didn't we, as we started to worship, as we talked about the river of life. If you're in the river, oh, it's easy to give. If you're not in the river, get in, take a chance, do what God wants you to do. It's amazing. It is wonderful. I think that's what keeps me young. We need to be empowered in our personal and devotional times and our corporate worship to receive, and then we can go and we can give into this world. And it's not hard. It's not hard, friends. Some people may not want to listen, but we just need to love them. 
years ago in our church, um, I, I had a friend. It was scary going to his house because his mother was so spiritual. You had to be prepared. I was a teenager, and I went to see Paul, and his mother would say, and what has the Lord been showing you lately? And you always had to hey, make sure you'd prayed and you'd read the Bible, you know, so that you could tell her what the Lord was telling you. It was one way to keep you on your toes. Uh, and uh, she was not a preacher, but she had like a woman's Bible study, and people were just drawn to her uh, like a super glue. And there was a woman there in the neighborhood came to know the Lord. Her name was Heather, and she was so excited to know Jesus, and she started going to church church and her husband noticed and he didn't like it. We heard later, he didn't like the fact that he was leaving her. He didn't like the fact, you know, that he had, she had all this uh, new group of friends. He didn't like the fact that she was so nice and loving and uh, wasn't arguing with them anymore. One day he put his foot down and he said, I don't want you to go to church anymore. I want you to stay home with me. And I'm not saying you should do that. I'm, and this is a story from the 70s, so things were different. But as she read the Word of God, she read uh, from 1 Peter 3, and it talked about wives submit to your husbands, that they may be one without a word, W-O-N. And they may come to And she really felt that that's what God wanted her to do. And uh, so she stayed home for a while, and she loved him, and then she realize I can go to night church. I can stay with them all day. Sunday night, we've got church. I can go to night church. And so uh, she decided she was going to do that. And uh, he was really still very angry. She would make his dinner. She would put it on the table for him. Here you are, darling. Uh, I'm just going to go off to church now. And at one stage, he took the plate full of food, threw it away, and everything went anywhere. But she loved this man. She blessed him. She didn't say anything. And eventually, uh, he came to know the Lord. You know, sometimes we win people without a word. And in chaplaincy, it's a lot like that too, because there are a lot of constraints uh, that are there. But we can win people by our own lives. Hallelujah. Our calling is a demonstration of the kingdom of God and God being with us by what we say and what we do. Authority, exousia, power, dunamis. And we know this, the verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. Friends, it's easier to witness when the Holy Spirit is on you. And that's why be in your prayer closet, be at church, be at the prayer meeting when it's on. Know what it is to be stirred up uh, in your holy faith and uh, so that you've got that ability to be able to go out there and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to see more and more miracles that are occurring because that is what is going to show people this power in this thing that they're talking about. There's power in this church here as well. Miracles. I'm really thankful the older you get, the more miracles you get. That's my experience anyway uh, because you've had to trust God. You've had to go through some valleys and uh, God has come through. A miracle is defined as an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. You know, sometimes we think, oh, a miracle is this big, big thing that happened. 
I remember years ago, there must be some, you talk about seasons in the church. Some guy came to our church uh, when I was in New Zealand, and he said, I'm going to pray, you know, and God is going to uh, uh, speak to you, and God's going to fill your teeth. If you've got any fillings or anything like that, you know, uh, you know, you can get gold fillings, all that sort of a thing, you know. I didn't really, I'm confessing here, I didn't really like this person that spoke. He was a visitor, you know. He wasn't my favorite. I didn't like the way he spoke. You, you might not like me either, but that's okay. And uh, so, but I had a bad feeling that needed working. And we, we had nothing in those days. We'd just come back off the mission field. We didn't have the money for that, you know. And so I said, Lord, I don't really like this person. I said, but I love you. And I said, and I trust you. So I went out the front and uh, got him to pray for me. And uh, lo and behold, I didn't get a gold filling, but the Lord filled my teeth. I didn't need to go to the dentist. It was a miracle, not something that could be done naturally. And we think, oh, those are, those are miracles. Those are things that God's doing. But I tell you, sometimes answer to prayer are miracles. They might be small miracles, but they're miracles. They're things that we can go to our friends and tell them what is happening. I'm only going to tell you big miracles today because um, I may never come back. So you might as well hear the good stuff. You know, the apostles went out on a mission, and each of us, we have a mission no matter what age we are. I have a spiritual mother. Uh, my own natural mother's gone to be with the Lord. But I have a spiritual mother uh, in New Zealand. She's 92. What is her? She says, oh, I feel like all I do is pray. I said, I'm so glad you pray. Keep praying. Keep praying. She prays for me. She prays for our children. She now prays for our grandchild, you know. And that is her mission you know, through the latter part of their life. So whether we're young and old, God has something for us. If you're sitting here today, you're seven, eight years old, God wants to use you. If you're 90 years old, God wants to use you. And everywhere in between, God wants to use you. Because it's not by the things that we have, but it's by God's grace. And he is the one that causes us to reach out. So we need to reach out and say, I'm going to miss out some stuff. And uh, you won't mind about that. I just want to go and look at the fact that there are two types of churches. I mentioned this to Pastor Brian one day when we were having coffee, uh, that are in the world today. And I know what kind of church you are, but there are two types of church. There are ones that are going, oh, it's so bad out there. And uh, there's a verse somewhere. I wrote it down in case you thought I was preaching heresy. Uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, and, uh, and uh, this verse says, fear not, little flock. And sometimes there are churches like that. Oh, it's so bad out there. Um, so many awful things are happening. And we just, you know, we, we, we just got to hang on because Jesus is going to come back. And there are those churches. There's another type of church you can change uh, now. What are you doing there, God of miracles? I don't know what I've done. That's okay. And there's another type of church there. Go to the next one, please. Person at the back. Yeah, that will do. Thank you. And uh, the, the other type of church is the church that is the glorious church that believes in the end time harvest. 
Can you guess which church I belong to? (laughs) I know which church you belong to because you're sitting right here. And uh, I'm going to try not to preach too long on this because it's my real hobby horse. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 27, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. I believe that that's what God is doing in the church. And when I see things happening in the church, it doesn't matter if there's a few hiccups and things. God is bringing a church that's without spot or wrinkle. Now, your pastor can correct me when I'm not here, but if he doesn't like it, but I believe in restoration theology, that all that the church had in the early days, God is bringing that back, and through the history, he's done that, and I believe that he's going to continue uh, to do that. You know, he brought back salvation with Luther. He brought back holiness through the Wesleyans. He brought back baptism in water by the Anabaptists. He brought back baptism uh, in uh, Holy Spirit by the early Pentecostals. He brought back by the revival in 1948, the gifts of laying on of hands and uh, prophecy and things like that. God is a God that is restoring the church. And I, as Pentecostals, you should, I know you do, you should believe in the power and the gifts of God. Stir up the gifts of God, uh, Paul said, that are within you. And that's what we need to do. And if you don't come, if you come to church just to be blessed, that's great. But it's not good enough. You need to be empowered. You need to be a person that knows what it is. Then to go out through those doors and say, glory to God, I'm going to reach my city. I'm going to reach everybody that I know with the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, that was the first time Jesus told his followers to go. Then the next one after that uh, is uh, in Matthew 28. I just put a scripture up. Next, please. Wonderful person. I don't even know who's doing this. I'm just, someone is. Is that you, Kevin? Are you doing this? No. Okay. He's sitting up the back there. I thought maybe that's why it's going wrong. It's Kevin. No, 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 it's nobody's fault. It's my fault. Believe me. Trust me. Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The second go. And he's, the first one he spoke to the apostles. Oh, well, those were the apostles, you know. We're not apostles. But he spoke to the disciples And he said to everybody there, go and make disciples, not just the apostles. It is a calling that God has for each and everyone to make disciples, to go to every people group. As I said, Acts chapter 1 about being witnesses, it was in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. You know all these uh, things. I'm not preaching new stuff to you, but I believe. God wants us to be making disciples, telling people about Jesus, bringing them into a relationship with him in everything that we do. A few years ago, I wanted to go back to Thailand, and I said, Lord, I want to go back to Thailand. I want to be there. I want to serve you there. And God spoke very very strongly to me and said, you need to be here, your mission is not Thailand. Your mission is to raise up the next generation in your children. So 
I didn't like that answer, but of course, I did what God wanted. And I was doing that already. Uh, you know, we had two girls. The first was very strong-willed. Everybody said, oh, you get a second child and they'll be, you know, they'll be quite placid. And then we had the second child. She was even more strong-willed, you know. So we would often do the route march at church and take them out, you know, and uh, everything that was involved there. And somebody said it was meant to make me feel better. Oh, when they're older, they'll be leaders in the church. And then you'll, you know, and uh, it's like when you've got little kids. Oh, enjoy them. They grow up so fast. How do you enjoy having little kids? It's not easy, is it? Or maybe you're, maybe you're good at it, you know. And <laughs> but I want to say thanks to the Lord because myself and Kathy, we poured into our children, and we made so many mistakes. I wasn't bad, I think, as a, as a father with little kids, but I was bad as a father with teenagers, and uh, I, I did some things that probably I, I shouldn't have done, but you know, I wouldn't have said this a few months ago, but suddenly now, it's just amazing what God has done, and maybe you're praying for a child, you know, and you might have been praying for years, you know, it was probably... Um, it was over 10 years, I, uh, and we went through things with my oldest daughter as well. Uh, she had physical sicknesses. She had some mental health issues, and the youngest daughter, you know, she decided that she was going to uh, just uh, break away from all things Christian and try and do things in her own strength. Didn't work. But anyway, we love, we've learned so much about unconditional love, you know, over the years with our, with our children. But I just looked about it, looked at it the other day. You know, I've got one daughter. She is now ministering to young women who are in ministry. And, and it's not us. It's just God. But I'm just so grateful to God as we poured in. It's part of our mission, isn't it? Whatever God calls you to. And the second daughter that we despaired over, she's now in a church. And I tell you, she's bringing in all those people uh, uh, from uh, a diverse background into the church, and she's loving them. And they love, the church loves her. You know, they said to me, oh, she's so wonderful. You know, I thought, well, we say that because she's our daughter, but, you know, they, they, they must do. We all have a mission, and we need to know what that is and what we are going to do there. And we start off in the Greek and the oikos in the house. We move to our families and the relationships that we have, the work, the school, the university university and into the city everywhere we go. I had a friend from America come. I like Americans, some of them. I have a dear friend from America. We took her out, you know, for a meal. And uh, so uh, uh, she was talking about, and she said sometimes, you know, she gives these huge tips in America. She's a missionary. She hasn't got money either, but she does when she goes home. So because she just wants to bless people and to blow their mind. I don't think she gives people cartons of beer, Corey Siebel, but um, then we reach out into the community. How do we go? How do we witness? How do we proclaim? How do we see lives change? How do we influence people? The next slide, thank you. Mark 16, 17 to 18. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about signs. It says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll drink any deadly thing. It will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I hope that you don't take this literally because you could be dead from a snake bite. Uh, but 
again, we see that God can protect us. But it talks about signs and wonders that are going to follow our lives. I think we've got to come out of the fact of just talking about people, but seeing signs and wonders and miracles that are going to reach the people that are around about us. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it talked about Jesus, and he was showing signs and wonders and miracles. This one says, these signs shall follow those who believe. You know, there are signs to believers. There are signs to unbelievers as well. And we, as we reach out into the community, as we reach out into the family of believers, I believe we're going to be like those shepherds. We're going to speak about the things that we know, speak about the things that we experience. And as we receive, that's when we can share. I just want to talk just to another miracle we had uh, after 10 years. We were leaving Thailand and my health was not so good and I had a bit of physical burnout. So anyway, we felt it was time to go. And uh, my wife, who is a very practical hospitality sort of person, uh, she's a singer in the house as well, but uh, she said, you know, you've been here for 10 years, and I'm going to ask God. You said, you haven't been paid anything. I'm going to ask God for a house, uh, a deposit on a house. And I said, that's lovely, dear. Uh, You know, how much are you going to ask for? And uh, she had a word of faith there. And the Lord spoke. She said, I'm going to believe God. This is not my wife usually. I'm going to believe God for $20,000. So I was God's man of faith and power. I was a missionary. And I said, wow, you'll have to do that. I can't. I became God's man of paste and flour. I said, it's too much. You know, I'm good at believing for other people, but sometimes, you know, in my life. And so she had this word of faith. When we left uh, Bangkok, and by the time we got back to New Zealand, where we, uh, we decided to settle down, we had $20,000 in our hands. I didn't even own a bicycle, you know, in Bangkok. We had nothing but God. God knew. And God did this miracle uh, for us. And uh, when we got back to New Zealand, we started up a house group, you know, us and another couple, and it ended up being uh, 20 20, 10 couples, so 20 people and 20 children. It was, boy, we rocked the place. It wasn't really the style you meant to have house groups. They're small groups, but it was fun. It was great there. One of those there, there was a young couple, and Kathy told this woman her story, how God had provided and done this miracle for us. And uh, this woman said, well, we could afford to pay a mortgage, but we can't afford to pay for a, a deposit. And so Kathy said, well, why don't you pray and ask God? He did it for us. He can do it for you. And she said, oh, oh no. She said, but you're missionaries. You know, I'm just an ordinary Christian. Well, what a lot of rubbish that is, you know. But anyway, my wife said, God can do it for anyone. So Kathy prayed for her. She prayed. Within three weeks, what happened was her, fa- her father, her husband was retrenched. He was given $20,000, and he got a brand new job, which was paid more than the job he was in, and they got a deposit on a house. Hallelujah. God is a God of miracles. God is a God of signs and wonders. And I think we need to start believing for, oh, I couldn't do that. Yes, you can. You can do it. Trust me. You can do it. That's right. Hallelujah. In the book of John, we are preaching for that recently in our church. We look at the the miracles in the first three gospels. When you compare them to the miracles in John, they're a little bit different. 
And uh, in this word, the word is not used dunamis, which is the word used in the other Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, jo- uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, but it's the word samion, and uh, in is used. And it actually means, rather than a miracle, it means a sign. And I believe that God wants us to have and to move in not just miracles, but in signs. And uh, John chapter 2, that was the first of the seven signs. It says that in verse 11, that John used to prove that Jesus was God. What was it? He turned water into wine. Each of the miracles that Jesus did, or the signs that were there, they have a spiritual significance uh, that is there. Am I doing what I should be doing? Let's go to the next one, whoever's doing this. Put up your hand. I want to say thank you. Who's doing it? Ah, over there. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Here we go. Charles Spurgeon, you may have heard about this guy. He was a famous preacher many, many years ago. And I I like a quote. He said, if Christ can turn water into wine by his will, he can do anything and everything. If Jesus had once exercised a power beyond nature, we may readily believe he can do it again and there's no limit to his power. So we need to get ready for miracles. I think I probably have my time, have I? Okay. Oh, then I'll say a bit more. Verse 11, it said, this is the beginning of signs that Jesus did in Galilee. So I want to look at those signs just uh, briefly. Next one, thank you. Wonderful person in the cubby hole there that's doing this. Yes, that word samion actually, it is, uh, uh, it means a sign, typically a miraculous sign that is given especially to confirm, to corroborate, and authenticate. It emphasizes the end time purpose, which exalts the one giving it. It's used many times in the New Testament for what authenticates the Lord and his eternal purposes here, especially by doing what mere man cannot replicate. And this is used in the book of John. So actually Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about the dunamis, the power of the miracles, and then John takes it one step further, or God does, and talks about these signs that are there. You know, signs point beyond the miracles to the uh, spiritual uh, power and meaning of the miracles. You know, we believe in God because we see the miracles. But we actually need to see that which God does, just like Kathy and that woman uh, with the house. It was a miracle for us, but it was a samion. It was a sign to this woman that God could do it for her if she accepted it. And I believe that's what we want to come for, come to. And uh, some of you might be saying, I'm still working on the miracles. Well, hurry up. God wants to do it. God wants to do it. He's just waiting for you to ask. But for others of us, we maybe we want to go through to the miracles that we need to see they point beyond themselves as signs for us to recognize who he is and for others to know he can do it for them. Just one more story of when we had a sign. I said we were in New Zealand. We come back from the mission field. We had a house, hallelujah, with a $20,000 deposit. I didn't have a job. We didn't have money. That's why the teeth was really great. Thank you, Jesus, for that. You know, uh, And we had our children, and I think it was the first child. You'd have to ask someone that knows but um, whether it was the first. But anyway, Kathy ended up with very bad postnatal depression, and it was really very, very debilitating for her. 
And somebody came through a, a worldwide known uh, ministry. I'm not going to tell who they are because um, I don't want to say bad things about them. But they came through, they came to our church, they had a seminar, and they charged money to go to the seminar. And it wasn't a lot, but it was money that we actually didn't have. And Kathy just cried out to the Lord because she said, I know, Lord, if I could go there, because it was on signs and wonders, if I could go there, I could be healed from this. And we didn't have the money. And so she stayed, we, we both stayed home. We didn't go. You know, a couple of weeks later, there was an older call at church, and I don't even know what it was about, but Kathy went up. And uh, in her disappointment of not being able to go and not being able to have God touch her, she went up and uh, she said, some little old lady just prayed some simple little prayer. There was a miracle and that postnatal depression just gone, totally. She came back from the older call to sit with me. It was the same old, and I mean that nicely, Kathy. It was, you know, she was back to her normal sort of self that was there. But it was also a samion. It was a sign to her that said, I do care for you. It doesn't matter if you couldn't go on here. I don't rely on people, but I can do it for you. And I believe that God wants us to be living in the times of signs and wonders and miracles. It's part of the church. It's coming back. We see it sometimes, don't we? We don't see it enough. And I stir you up to say, we're not where we should be. And we don't get there by our own strength, but we get there by being in those thin places we talked about, where heaven meets earth that is here. God knows our need. God can meet us. He has his timing and his way. But I believe we need to believe God for miracles in our life. But even more than that, believing God for signs. There's a signs that encourage us to trust and have confidence in him. There's signs that we can go out into the community and we can share. Tell you, nobody can say, well, uh, that must be wrong. If you've had a sign, if you've had a miracle, they can't do anything about it because it's your story. Step out. Freely you have received, freely give. We need to know what it is to have hope. We need to know what it is to pr have prayer. We need to know what it is to have miracles, and then we can step out. If you don't know what your mission is, God will tell you. God can tell you. If you're a new Christian here, I know as my daughter growing up, she said, Dad, I can't hear God's voice. It's so difficult. I don't know if he's speaking to me or not. Now she almost has to find out from God before she brushes her teeth. She's so spiritual. But God wants to speak, and he can speak to each and every, I love my kids, to each and every one of us there. So find out what your mission is. Get in touch with God so the miracles are flowing, and then they can be signs to go out. This community will be changed. Amen? This community will be changed. Can you stand? I don't know what the pastor's going to do, but I'm just going to pray for you first. And believe God, trust God, that God will minister. Something that I've said today will hit into your spirit and stir you afresh. Father God, I thank you for your word. Your word is so precious. Your word, Lord, is so amazing. And I thank you, Lord, that you speak to each and every one of us. Lord, thank you for speaking to ones that are here. Thank you for opening up the eyes of ones that don't know what their mission is. Lord, that they would see that which you have for them. Thank you, Lord, for those that are wanting to reach out in the community but don't know how, that they would be like the shepherds and they would have those miracles and signs that they'd be able to go out and say, this 
is what God has done for me. Father, we thank you, Lord. You're an amazing God. We thank you, Lord. You never condemn us, Father. But Lord, you encourage us and you inspire us. And you give us the strength that we need to do that which you've called us to do. So let your blessing be upon this people, Father God, upon the city of Sale, Lord. Let your kingdom come because the kingdom of God is at hand. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.